Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician, Dr. Robert Jackson. Papa, can you tell me a story? Do you really want me to tell you a story? (laughs) Well, you go get your brother and your sisters and I will tell you a story. Welcome to Devotions with Dr. Papa. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Jackson, and today I want us to look into the book of Job, one of my favorite books and one of my favorite characters. Today I want us to look at Job chapter 1. The players in Job chapter 1 are Job, the Almighty God, and Satan, who is a fallen angel. The scene takes place in heaven and on earth. There are three acts. In Act 1, there is an accusation and an assault. In Act 2, there is a second accusation and a second assault. In Act 3, the man of integrity responds. So let's begin by looking at Act 1, which is in Job chapter 1. Let me begin by reading to you verses 1 through 3. There was a man in the land of Uz, whose name was Job, and that man was blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. Seven sons and three daughters were born to him. His possessions also were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and very many servants. And that man was the greatest of all the men of the East. Now, theologians tell us that Uz was located in northern Arabia. Job himself was referenced by both Ezekiel and several New Testament writers, which makes him an actual historical person and not an allegorical figure, as some folks have proposed. Job is described as having perfect integrity. In other words, his walk matched his talk. His walk was consistent with his talk. In Job's life, there was no hypocrisy. The Bible says that he feared God. If you read in the book of Psalms, the Bible tells us that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. Now, you understand clearly that that the fear of God is a genuine reverence and awe that results in both respect and devotion to God, which in turn leads to obedience. If there's no obedience, then there is no genuine fear of God. How do we know that Job feared God? Well, the Bible tells us that he avoided evil. The King James Bible says he eschewed evil. He intentionally turned away from anything that would corrupt himself or displease a holy God. In Psalms chapter 101, there's a scripture verse that says, I will sing of loving kindness and justice to you, O Lord. I will sing praises. I will give heed to the blameless way. When will you come to me? I will walk within my house in the integrity of my heart. Now, that's the psalmist 
saying that, but that's an accurate description of Job. He was obviously not the willful sinner that his multiple friends would later assert. In verse 2 and 3, we see that Job was a wealthy man. He was wealthy in children and in livestock. A story is told that in England many years ago, there was a man who had 12 children. A friend came into his house, saw all the children and said, Oh my goodness, these are they which make a rich man poor. The father of all the children said, Nay, sir, these are they which make a poor man rich. You see, Job was wealthy in children. My grandfather Jackson one time had taken all of his produce to a county fair. But when he displayed his produce, he had a picture of his nine children, seven sons and two daughters. And under that picture of his nine children, he says, my best crop ever. Even though my grandfather Jackson was a poor dirt farmer in Clarendon County, in the lower part of the state of South Carolina, he was wealthy in children. And so was Job. He was a wealthy man in children and in livestock. He was an exemplary person with sterling qualities. No one deserved less than he did the upcoming suffering. And no one suffered more than Job did. And let's look at verse 4 and 5. The Bible says that Job's sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day. And they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When the days of feasting had completed their cycle, Job would send and consecrate them, rising up early in the morning and offering burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, Perhaps my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. In other words, this was Job's custom. The practice of a praying father is exhibited in these verses. This was his regular custom. Let me speak to you fathers out there. Dads, pray a hedge of protection over your family. Pray the blood of Jesus over your children. Welcome Holy Spirit into your home daily. Bind the enemy away by prayer. You see, the enemy has no authority over your house. Pray for every detail of your children's lives. Pray for their future. Pray for their future spouses. And, and by all means, let your children hear you praying for these things. Satan's accusations against Job was that God had put a hedge of protection around him. Where did that come from? In it came from the response to Job's regular custom of praying for his children and offering up a sacrifice on their behalf. Listen, in, in Psalms chapter 5, there's, there's a beautiful verse of Scripture. Psalms chapter 5 and verse 12. It says, For it is you who blesses the righteous man, O Lord. You surround him with favor as with a shield. You surround him with 
favor as with a shield. You see, Job was a righteous man, and God did build a hedge of protection around Job and around his family because he was a righteous man. Brothers, you pray for your family. Pray for your children. Pray that God would build a a hedge of protection around you and your family and surround all of you with favor as with a shield. Now, verse 6. Let's read this. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. How how did Satan come to be among the angels? You see, Satan, whose previous name was Lucifer, he was a fallen angel. He still possessed certain power and certain privileges but was still required to submit to certain responsibilities. And when God called for all the angels to report to him, Satan still had to report to to the Almighty God. And then in verse 7, Satan responds. And he said, well, God asked him, he said, from where do you come? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. You see, Satan had been cast down from heaven. The Bible said he was cast down to the earth. More than that, the scripture tells us that Satan is now the God of this world. So let me ask a question. How did he come to be in possession of the world? Well, you know the answer to that. Adam and Eve, when they sinned in the garden, forfeited their possession of the world over to Satan. Initially, God gave Adam and Eve the responsibility to manage this planet and to rule over this world. But when they sinned, they forfeited that over to Satan, and he became the God of this world. He rules over the kingdom's of this world. And so Satan is called the God of this world. So when God asked him, where have you been? He says that he's been walking around, roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. Well, I hate to tell you this, but Job galled Satan to no end. Look at verse 8. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? For there's no one like him on the earth a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. You understand that word galled, don't you? You see, my patients come to see me on a Monday morning after they've gone to the fair on Saturday, and they've walked in the heat all day long, and their inner thighs have rubbed together until they're all chapped and bleeding. And then they come to me on Monday morning and they say, Dr. Jackson, my thighs are all galled. What are you going to do for me? Well, you see, galding is not just something that happens physically. It also can happen emotionally. You see, there are people in your life and mine that just leave us all galled emotionally. They just, they just fly all over us every time they come around us. And I'm telling you that Job galled Satan emotionally. You see, he galled Satan to no end. 
He was a thorn in Satan's side. He chapped Satan every time he thought about Job. Satan had dominion over all the earth, but he could not dominate Job. How about you? Do you cause Satan heartburn and sleepless nights, or does he ignore you? Does he even know your name? Are you so insignificant in the kingdom of God that Satan laughs at your feeble activity? Well, not so with Job. Oh, that God would say this about you and me. Have you considered my servant Robert? Have you considered my servant John? Have you considered my servant Mary? But Doc, Dr. Jackson, I thought Jesus was our righteousness. Well, yes, he is. But as Paul outlined in Romans 7, you and I fight a daily war with the flesh and with the world and with Satan. We have to pursue the holiness without which no man can see the Lord. It is only as we progressively win this daily battle that God or others will look at us and say, there goes a holy man or a holy woman who fears God and shuns evil in the same way that Job did. We call this progressive sanctification, and it is a process that we all must go through in our spiritual journey. Now, look at verse 9. This is the accusation that I told you about in the beginning. Satan answered the Lord, does Job fear God for nothing? You see, because Satan could not deny God's assessment of Job's character, his godliness, he questioned why Job was pious. He challenged Job's motives. And he says, he serves you because of what he gets out of the relationship with you. In other words, he accused Job of having a commercial relationship with God. So let me ask you, what are your motives for godly living? Will anyone serve the Lord if heaven were not promised to them? What if in the end you just went to the grave like a dog and turned into worm food? Would you serve holy God just because He is God and deserves your worship? Is worship a coin that buys a heavenly reward? Is piety part of a contract by which to gain wealth and ward off trouble? You see, this accusation was that Job would no longer insert his coin of worship if nothing profitable came out of the other end of the chute. Andre Crouch used to sing a song many years ago that said, If heaven were not promised to me, it's been worth just having the Lord in my life. (laughs) Can you say that? Even if heaven were not promised to you, would it be worth it to you just having the Lord in your life? Would you worship God and walk in the light just because He is worthy? If there was no heavenly reward, this accusation attacked 
God's integrity because it implies that he cannot attract worshipers except by bribes. God knew Job's heart, but this attack on his integrity was the reason why he let Satan touch Job as a demonstration to silence Satan. Now we know why God didn't answer Job's prayer. There was a cosmic demonstration going on for Satan's comeuppance and for the benefit of future sufferers for generations to come. Job's experience would serve as education and encouragement to all of us. And Job's integrity would stick a thumb in Satan's eye. More than that, it proves that you and I can walk in integrity by God's grace in overwhelming circumstances, maintaining our testimony and an intact family. Now look at verse 11. God says, but put forth your hand now and touch all that he has. He will surely curse you to your face. <laughs> Did you see that accusation? God gives permission with limits. God says, then the Lord said to Satan, behold that he has is in your power. Only do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. There were limits. God gave permission with limits. Nothing happens to you and me that is not first sifted through the all-knowing and all-loving hands of God. You remember when Peter promised Jesus that even though everyone else left, he said, I will remain faithful. And Jesus said to Peter, Satan hath obtained permission to sift you like wheat. Even Satan could not touch Peter, the disciple, except by obtaining permission. Well, then in verses 13 through 19, we see the first assault. And Satan used a combination of human and natural forces in rapid succession. In a few moments of time, Job went from wealth and prosperity to grief and poverty. So here was the question. Would he also plummet from loyalty to disloyalty to God? Well, some years ago, a pastor and his wife who, who had seven children were in a motor vehicle accident on Highway I-26 between Spartanburg and Columbia, and all seven children were killed in a fiery accident. And in the nightly news that night, the pastor's wife said very plainly that we still cling to our love for the Heavenly Father and our faith in God. We do not understand why, but we still cling to Him and He is worthy of our worship. And she said this through her tears. And when I heard it, I openly wept. And it reminded me of Job who had lost seven sons and three daughters. In verses 20 to 22, after Job lost everything, everything, all of his livestock and all of his children, the Bible says that Job tore his robe, indicating his inner turmoil. He then shaved his head, indicating his loss of personal glory. 
He then fell to the ground, not in despair, but in obedience to God. And the Bible says that he worshiped God. He came into this world with nothing. And he acknowledged that he would return with nothing. All things come from God. And God has the prerogative to take all things away. And Job accepted prosperity and adversity from the hand of the Lord with equal equanimity, with equal grace. And the Bible says he fell down and worshiped God. Job followed adversity with adoration. He followed woe with worship. Listen, brothers and sisters, people only do that when worship is their lifestyle, when it is their second nature, their first response to every circumstance of life. People only do that when worship is for them genuine and not forced. It's primary and not secondary. It's the original heart response and not something tacked on. In other words, for Job, it was not a commercial response for him. Listen to what Job said. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshiped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Through all of this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. Do you see what is happening here? When life gets tough, we often accuse God of being unfair, of forgetting our faithful service, of letting the wicked go unpunished while we are discomfited, but not Job. In all of this, Job did not sin, nor did he charge God foolishly foolishly, as we are wont to do. He's a much better man than most of us are. He believed God was... Uh, some of us tend to put, believe that God can be unloving, and we become bitter at God. But Job based his belief on the truth of God's word and the truth of God's character altogether apart from circumstances. Job did not allow circumstances to dictate his beliefs about God, no matter how desperate they became. And you and I should follow his example. Doing so demonstrates to the world in a magnificent way the power of faith in a loving, heavenly Father, we should not allow circumstances to dictate our theology, our understanding of Scripture. Rather, we should allow our theology, our understanding of Scripture to dictate our response to the difficult circumstances of our lives. You see, Satan was wrong, wrong, dead wrong. Devotion is possible apart from the dollars received in return, from the blessings received in return. People can be godly apart from material gain. Well, that's the first act. That's the first accusation and the first assault. 
Next week, we'll talk about chapter 2, the second assault on Job, the second accusation, and the second assault. Please tune in for next week's lesson. If you like what you hear, we ask you to follow, like, and share. Tell your friends and neighbors, and may the Lord bless you real good. Thank you for listening to this edition of More Than Medicine. For more information about the Jackson Family Ministry, Dr. Jackson's books, or to schedule a speaking engagement, go to their Facebook page, Instagram, or their webpage at jacksonfamilyministry.com. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Production at bobsloan.com.